Thanks for clicking into another episode of the Pucktown Podcast. I'm Jared Chaffron, joining you once again uh, in quarantine, staying at home, and the Stingrays in the offseason, still early stages, still working on schedule and everything for the upcoming 2020-21 season, but still wrapping up last season, which obviously ended a little short, and the ECHL handing out their awards and the Stingrays, not surprisingly, figured in onto a couple of these awards. Uh, the ECHL announced their first and second teams. Parker Milner last week was named to the All-ECHL second team. What an unbelievable season once again for a goaltender who has consistently been on an AHL contract four straight years with the Hershey Bears, but has grown to love Charleston and really appreciate playing down here in the Charleston area. Milner finished the year with a goals against average of 2.20. That was second in the league. Uh, at some points was leading the league in that category throughout the season. Finished sixth with the save percentage at 92.3%, and his shutout mark was the top mark in the league all season long. Ended up finishing with seven shutouts, which is second most ever in a single ECHL season. Came so close a few different times to tying that record and would have maybe had a chance to break that record had the season continued and he got a few more cracks at it. But seven shutouts uh, out of his total of 20 wins. What an amazing percentage and what a great year for Milner, who was named to the ECHL's all-second team this season. The league also announced on Tuesday that Stingrays head coach Steve Bergen was named the coach of the year this year throughout the league, uh, got the votes that he needed, and he is going to be forever remembered as, as a great performance with this team. Only the second coach in ECHL history to receive this honor, and uh, you know, really all season long we've talked about it on the podcast, we've talked about it on broadcasts and, and elsewhere. He's just been outstanding as both recruiting players and having them motivated, ready to go each day. And obviously he was quick to, quick to credit Ryan Blair as well, Stingray's assistant coach, who was a big part of the staff this year coming in in his first season. Bergen spent three years as an assistant under Ryan Warsawski and Spiros Anastas. And in his first season as a head coach, named the ECHL Coach of the Year Bergen just turned 32, one of the youngest coaches in the league, and recognized as the top coach in the league this year. A great honor for him and for the entire team to be recognized like this. I know he does not take this lightly, and the entire organization is so happy that Steve was honored like this. We wish him congratulations. This week's guest went a little bit back in Stingray's history to bring you someone who hasn't been with the team for a long time, but someone who had a great run as a Stingray, Travis Morin, played two full seasons in South Carolina in 2007-08 and then 2008-09, winning a Kelly Cup title with the Stingrays in the spring of 2009. And in those two seasons, he was excellent for the Stingrays. In his first year, 84 points in 68 games on 34 goals and 50 assists with a plus 16 rating. Also played in 20 playoff games during the team's playoff run in his first year in South Carolina with 17 points on 10 goals and 7 assists. Uh, just a great first year for Moore. And he played collegiately at Minnesota State University in Mankato. And that was a four-year career for him. 
Kind of turned pro, had a little bit of experience at the end of the 06-07 year with eight games for the Stingrays, but then came in with a first full season, had that 84-point year in 07-08. Got a couple chances with the Hershey Bears, played a couple games that year with Hershey, came back to South Carolina for a second year, and arguably was almost better, played in 71 games, so almost the entire season, 88 points, topped his mark that he had had the year before on 26 goals and 62 assists, ended up playing in 19 games in the postseason and had 22 points, four goals and 18 assists, helping to lead the Stingrays to a Kelly Cup championship that year. He only played one game in Hershey in the 08-09 season, so never really got a great look in the AHL when he was with the Capitals organization. Organization drafted him really late in the 2004 NHL draft, but a pick of the Capitals had a great run with the Stingrays, but got an opportunity to join the Texas Stars for his third full professional season in 09-2010, and he has never left the Texas Stars. He played his entire rest of his career with Texas, had a few chances to play NHL games, three different NHL stints with the Dallas Stars, but played an absolute amazing amount of time with the Texas Stars, became a legend for the Texas Stars in the AHL. So many games and won a Calder Cup with that team, had another run to the Calder Cup Finals two years ago, but ended up deciding to retire and hang it up at the end of the 2018-19 season, and this year had crazy a crazy wild ride with that Texas Stars team, and the AHL again, as we mentioned a couple times, still on pause right now. So we don't we're not really sure what the outcome is going to be from this season. But Morin, uh, right now, currently an assistant coach with the Texas Stars, and he's just had a, a great experience this year. It was great to catch up with him and hear some of his memories of when he was in Charleston and then hear how he used those two years in Charleston to catapult himself into a full AHL career and now a coaching career as well. So it was really great to catch up with Travis, another guy who, you know, his bobblehead was sitting on my desk uh, when when I got to Charleston and so never met him personally and never saw him play as a Stingray, watched him in some games with Texas over the last couple of years, but really cool to connect with him, hear a little bit more about his career and now his new venture as a coach. And that's where we started as a jumping off point. And uh, it was great to speak with Travis. Here's our interview. Joining me for this episode of the Pucktown podcast is former South Carolina Stingray and currently a assistant coach with the Texas Stars, Travis Morin. Travis, uh, thanks a lot for for taking time to join us today. And it's been kind of a, a crazy couple weeks, months for you. But uh, first of all, been been starting every podcast here with uh, where are you spending your time right now? How's your family doing? And uh, how are you guys? trying to pass the time uh, at, at, in this crazy quarantine life? Uh, we're still in uh, in Cedar Park, Texas here in our house. Uh, we're just waiting around. We usually spend the summers back in Minnesota where we're from, but uh, waiting to hear uh, if you know the kids are going to have to go back to school or not uh, to finish anything up. Uh, so we're just, you know, I got three boys, so we're spending a lot of time uh, playing baseball and things in the backyard and uh we just are starting up some they've sent home some schooling for my two older ones so we're trying to do that stuff today and uh yeah just trying to keep busy watching a lot of movies and and playing games and things like that but uh just trying to keep uh 
keep busy with the little ones. Yeah, it must have been kind of insane how, how quickly everything changed. I mean, you guys are in the middle of a, a fight for a playoff spot, and obviously there's, a, there's I'm sure, you know, you're getting to that busy time of the season, down to the stretch run, and, and now you're all of a sudden just, like you said, watching movies, and and uh, it's complete different change. What what was that like uh, to be a part of, of that complete complete switch, and, and how often do you stay in touch with players and, and other parts of your staff uh, on a day-to-day basis? Uh, yeah, it obviously it was completely unprecedented and it was a strange situation for any of us to be in. Uh, you know, I think a few days leading up to, uh, you know, the cancellation, you could kind of see the writing was on the wall uh, coming up. So it didn't catch us, I think, completely by surprise, but uh, it's still a strange situation for, you know, players and coaches alike to, to be in the middle of a big, you know, playoff push or getting ready for for a playoff run, and then all of a sudden to just be doing nothing, and you know, I can still go on my computer and do do video and stuff, but who knows how long it's going to be till we're playing again? You know, our league probably isn't going to be playing again till next year. It would be my guess, but I don't really know. Uh, so you're just kind of you know spending the time with your family here, which is which is kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess, you know, being on the road as much as we are and, and working as much as we do. It's uh, kind of nice to be home with the family here a little bit. Although I'll admit we, we're all going a bit stir crazy and uh, trying to find ways to get out of the house and go for a walk around the block or rollerblade or something just to get up and get moving. Yeah. For everyone, it seems like the, the first week or two, uh, it was kind of nice, and and now, now it's uh, as yeah. it's leading longer and longer, and and you're looking at maybe you know mother month or or even longer. It's I'm sure everyone's trying to think of oh my god, <laughs> this is, sounds like a lot more time that that everyone's going to be cooped up together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our kids are school's already been canceled through uh, first week of May, so we know we'll we'll at least be dealing with that for another month here. So, uh, yeah, it's just getting you know kind of mentally wrapped around that situation and uh doing what you can to to make each day uh productive and and keep like i said keep the kids kind of physically active so they're not sitting around all day watching things or doing things like that this season uh the last couple months already you were in a transition and and you decided to uh to decide to hang up the skates and and decided to transition away from playing what led to to that decision for you and um how did you know it was it was the right time to make that change in in your career uh i mean it was i kind of feel it towards the end of last year i got i got hurt uh the second to last week of the season so I was going into the, the summer uh, just with a shoulder injury, nothing major, but uh, I did all the rehab and stuff for that. And just kind of, it was, it was getting time to come back and start like deciding, you know, okay, I'm going to really start working out and get ready and start training. And I just, it was kind of my body and my mind were just, you know, I think it's been enough. I've, I've had enough and I didn't, I don't know if I have it in me to do it again kind of thing. And then I talked with um, the GM down here, and they kind of we kind of mutually agreed upon that they were going to go in a different direction. And he said, if you're going to retire, you know, we'd love to have you in a in an office job and help coaching on the ice a bit to start out, so you can kind of see what you want to do next. So 
I started this year uh, in September doing things in the front office as the director of business development. I'd be out in the community doing things. I started a a floor hockey program in schools uh, where the kids got to learn floor hockey and we donated equipment to the schools. And then uh, each of the kids got a ticket to a game. And then came December and there was a major shakeup in the, uh, the coaching ranks in Dallas and uh, our head coach headed up to Dallas for an assistant. And they asked me if I wanted to be a coach here. And so I uh, transitioned in December into the assistant coach role. I had previously just been uh, kind of a skills coach and on the ice when the guys were in town, I wasn't traveling with the team or anything. So uh, I was just around them when they were here watching guys and kind of helping out where I could. And uh, yeah, so then I transitioned into an assistant coach and that's kind of what I was doing the rest of the year here and kind of looks like something I'll probably be doing for a while. Yeah, how's that gone? Uh, what has it been like, uh, you know, getting all that experience in a, a short amount of time, uh, I'm sure has been a little bit of a whirlwind, but uh, how many players, you know, are, are back that you had played with? Had you already had a lot of relationships with, with the guys and you were kind of around the team already? Did that make it a little easier? Yeah, I think I think both transitions, even the one in September was obviously uh, made easier just by still working even in the office with people I knew a bit. Uh, from the years prior and then obviously on the ice uh, there was quite a few guys obviously that came back from the year before that I'd played with or you know guys I'd played with for multiple years that's probably been the trickiest or oddest part of being a like a an assistant coach now is kind of I'm coaching my friends in a way and it's hard to you know maybe tell them what to do at times or or critique them in ways that you know it's a little bit uncomfortable to do, but I know I got to do it. Uh, so that's probably been the, the trickiest part of that. But it's been a great experience so far. I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to, to getting started again here uh, whenever we do. I heard you even got to uh, spend a very short amount of time as uh, as the acting head coach uh, during a road trip. <laughs> what, what was that like? When did you find out that – that was going to be something that was happening, and, and what was that experience like to, to go through that in a short period of time as well? Yeah, I've, I've, I've joked about that, that the season actually ended and I was the head coach because uh, <laughs> it happened on our last road trip, so I guess maybe I'm still the head coach. I don't know. Uh-huh. No, but it's uh, it was it was a bit of a whirlwind. knew it could possibly happen. Our, uh, our head coach's wife was pregnant, and she was due uh, to uh, – she was due a couple days after we got home from our last road trip that we were on. So uh, I'm not going to say I, I had prepared for it, but I knew it was a possibility. So the uh, morning of the, I guess it would have been our first game, he found out she was going into labor. So he hopped on a flight that morning, left, and uh, I was left to uh, kind of pick it up, uh, pick up the pieces with our with our video coach, our uh, goalie coach, and then uh, Rich Beverly, which obviously played in South Carolina also. Yep. He's, he's, uh, he was in town as and he helps out with our uh, development. Uh, he joined me on the bench as an assistant coach too to, to help things out. And uh, I thought it went, it went pretty well. I mean, we went one and one uh, on the road against the number, I think they were the number one team in the, the Western Division. So, uh, you know, no complaints there. They were a good team, and 
uh, the boys played hard and it was a great experience. Uh, but I kind of ended bittersweet there when we had to cancel the season after it. But uh, no, it was a, we've joked that, you know, starting in September, I was hanging out with the mascot a lot, doing things <laughs> on social media with the mascot. And in six or seven months shortly, I was a head coach. So it was a uh, whirlwind, whirlwind year for sure for me. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that obviously you know you might be looking at at being in this role for a little while. Uh, did you have any intention on you know coaching? Is that something you when you retired you thought you might try to pursue? And now that you've gotten a lot more experience in a, in a short amount of time, is that something that you've enjoyed that you probably want to continue? Yeah, uh, the funny thing is, I probably have, I probably told a lot of people I didn't think I'd ever want to coach really uh, when I was still playing, but. It's uh yeah it's been a great experience and I you know it was a it was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up and take the chance and see how I liked it uh, I've enjoyed it I think as far as I know the guys have enjoyed having me around and being on the bench and things like that uh, so yeah I think it's something I I can I wouldn't mind sticking with and seeing how it goes here and. Uh, just working at it and trying to get better each day when I'm when I'm doing it and see where it leads you know it's something that could could give me a job here for you know the foreseeable future where I uh, might have a little bit of stability here still in Texas and can keep my family here and uh, you know keep keep myself and my family uh, in a place we've grown to love and and, and comfortable and uh, all that so it's uh it's something I think I'll definitely keep I'll stick with here and uh as long as they'll have me around and and see what happens. Wanted to shift back down uh memory lane a little bit. Uh obviously two excellent seasons for you with the Stingrays. What do you remember about Charleston and, and your time in the ECHL and, and those teams you were with when you were here? Uh I I absolutely I absolutely love Charleston. My wife and I were we're both there both years and we we absolutely loved it there uh we when we came to texas uh after we won the championship there it was we came on a 25 game trial and we were always said like you know if it doesn't work out here we'll just go back to south carolina for a year or two and enjoy that and then find uh find something to do with our lives after that but uh luckily things worked out here in texas but yeah, I mean, we met a lot of great guys, played with a lot of great guys down there. Still keep in touch with them. Uh, uh, Johan Kroll is, helps me out uh, as a financial advisor with his uh, business he's got running now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have I got to make it down uh, to the South Carolina area or Charleston area the year we won in Texas because I was in Myrtle or I was in Hilton Head for the owners meetings to receive an award. And my wife and I and uh, our son at the time, our our oldest, who was a baby, uh, we drove up to Charleston then and uh, hung out for a few days with uh, Matt Shear, Yoren Kroll, and, uh, Nate Kaiser, and uh, Scott Rompo, I think, was there too. So we've been back there. We've taken a couple of family vacations. My wife's family uh, really enjoyed, you know, being out at the beach there. So we've gone there. Uh, for a little trip with them a few years ago, so it's a uh, it's a place we really uh, we really enjoyed, we really loved, and you know we like to 
we've talked about going back in sometime to see people, but uh hasn't worked out here in the uh, very recent past, but we will hopefully get back there sometime uh, soon. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, having that opportunity with Texas uh, after the championship year. What was that like trying to, to make the team there? And, and you know, obviously you, you never left. So what, what has it been about the Texas Stars organization that, you know, has, has been a place that you've loved and, and never wanted to leave? Yeah, I, I mean, coming here, it was, you know, I had never really gotten much of a shot with Hershey uh, in my two years in South Carolina. So, you know, I still didn't know for sure whether or not I could, I could play at this level, uh, even make it in the AHL. So it was kind of, you know, I had 25 games to kind of prove myself and came in and was lucky enough to, after, I don't know, 10 or 12 games, uh, sign a contract for the rest of the year. And, you know, never kind of never looked back here, but the, uh, you know, I think, the city is great. There's lots to do if you want to go downtown and listen to music or there's always something going on. But, uh, you know, the weather is great here, just like it is in South Carolina. It's warm. Uh, you know, big thing for me, you can golf year round, which is nice, just like in Charleston. Uh, it gets a little hot in the summers, but that's why we like to get back to Minnesota in the summertime, <laughs> yep. kind of get away from that. But yeah, I mean, the organization has been great. They've always, uh, you know, I feel like we've always fielded a pretty competitive team. You can, like I said, it's a great city. So guys want to come here and play. They've heard about it. They come here as a visiting team and kind of get to see that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough that, you know, I found a place and, uh, that I really enjoyed my wife and I, and my kids now have all, you know, kind of grown. This is our home. So to find a place and find an organization that, that wanted us back as much as we wanted to be here uh, was truly kind of a blessing that that you don't see uh, very often in this league. And you mentioned before your Calder Cup championship there, uh, I'm sure was an unbelievable experience as well. What did you take from your your ECHL title uh, that that kind of helped you with some of the playoff runs in, in Texas and I'm sure that's going to help you uh, hopefully when you guys get a chance as a coach uh, to to have a playoff run and, and try to go on a run like that uh, what did you kind of take from from those experiences you know I think uh, you know I think the biggest thing is kind of you manage in the playoffs things are going to go good things are going to go bad but you can't really you know, get too high or too low on things. I remember in South Carolina, I think our first first playoff series against, I think we had to play Charlotte, and we ended up having, even though we were the higher seed, we had to start on the road because of building conflicts or something like that. Yep. And, and we had to play in Charlotte's practice rink because of their building conflicts. <laughs> so we were playing the first two playoff games in Charlotte in their practice rink in front of, I don't know, 500 people, maybe a thousand or something that they crammed in there. I don't know, but we ended up losing both games and then we ended up coming back and, and winning the next four to, to win the series. But it was just, I remember being extremely frustrated and mad, mostly at the officials, the second game. And it's kind of something that stuck with me that you can't really, dwell on that because and we didn't that year we didn't we bowed through that and like i said we won the next four but it's something where you can't get too high and too low 
you know, during games and after games. Uh, you know, each game comes as its own uh, entity, so you got to take it as that and take what you can learn from each one, move on. And I think we did a great job of that here in uh, 2014. Again, we had a really good team. We grew first in the league in the regular season, so kind of all the pressure was on us. But at the same time, I think there was a string of games in must have been the second round and third round where I think we gave up the first goal and we were playing from behind in like eight or nine straight games or something like that. But we never let it affect us really. And, and we kind of just kept playing our game and, uh, you know, kind of had faith that, you know, our talent would and our game plan would win out in the end as long as we continued to do it for 60 minutes. And that's, that was really our mantra all year, all year long. And we stuck to it and, you know, it, it paid off in the end. And you guys had another run too. Didn't didn't finish it all the way, but got very close uh, a couple of years ago before you finished. And uh, it sounded like that was kind of a similar thing for for that team as well. I remember watching some of those games and and seeing you guys, and it, it seemed like that was another team that it kind of you know you guys didn't get frustrated, and there was a lot of different situations, and and it seemed like you guys just kind of seemed to figure it out one way or another, and made a really nice run at it. Yeah, that that year was. That year was uh, a completely different year because we were kind of, uh, you know, battling at the bottom of the, battling for a playoff spot all the way through almost, I'd say, January, going into February, and all of a sudden we just, we kind of caught fire at the right time, and and we held it on all the way through and just couldn't quite finish it there in Game 7 of the finals. But it was, again, yeah, a team that we had a lot of resilience. Uh, Like I said, we weren't. We didn't start out the best and we didn't have a great year overall, but we got hot at the right time and we got into playoffs. And then it was a, it was a team that everybody had their roles and they knew it and they embraced their roles. And uh, you got contributions up and down the lineup, uh, you know, from different guys every night to help contribute. It wasn't a, it wasn't a one line show or, you know, even two lines. You had to have everybody we'd roll for and, and try to get everybody in the game and, uh, you know, try to use our depth in that way. And, and, uh, unfortunately we came up just one, one game short, but it was, uh, it was an extremely memorable, memorable run we went on and, uh, a lot of fun, uh, looking back on it. A lot of those things for, for both of those teams that you, that you just mentioned sound like, uh, something that Jared Bednar might say, how influential was he in your career? Uh, and as, as a coach, someone who kind of tried to instill some of those things in you, especially during that, obviously that championship year you guys went through. Yeah. I mean, Bednar was a great coach. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him and I think a big thing he did, he did well. And I know he still does it. Is he, he tries to make things fun out there, especially in practice, whether it's, you know, the end of practice, uh, morning skates, you know, things like that, keep, keep it light. Uh, but at the same time, you're still, you know, you know, your job and you know, it's business like, but, uh, I can remember, uh, the year we won, I had a, uh, I had a competition with him, year long competition, uh, doing breakaways at the end of morning skates. And, uh, I, I did beat him. So I'll keep that and hold that over his head. But, uh, he, he he did a great job and he you know i think a lot of things i've I've used throughout my career definitely started in south carolina obviously 
and the things he taught me uh, definitely helped me along the way, especially in our championship runs here and, and runs to the finals. But uh, it's, it's great to see him having success uh, in Colorado there, and I love watching them play just to just to keep tabs on him and, and uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm rooting for him to, to do well all the time. Guess uh last question before we we let you go here when you look at where you're at right now whether the season resumes or it doesn't or whatever happens moving forward what are some of the things that you're focused on as a young coach as someone who's new to coaching some things that you're going to try to be working on and and what are some of your focuses moving forward in your career as as things you can maybe do a little bit better as as you're learning or as you're progressing as a coach uh I think the biggest change is <laughs> the biggest change I've found is trying to watch the game as a coach. As a player, you're sitting on the bench and you're kind of just watching the play. Uh, and and now I'm I'm more in charge. I'm in charge of the defense right now. So trying to instead of watching exactly what's going on with the puck all the time, watch my D or watch structural things or breakdowns, find the breakdowns instead of just watching the play. And I still get caught at times, and I know I do, where I'm just kind of in player mode on the bench watching the play, and uh, you might miss something, and a guy comes back and says, hey, what did you see? And would be like, ah, I was honestly watching the puck. I, I should have been watching that. But, so just some things like that. Uh, you know, another big way is kind of communicating with the guys about, you know, things they need to get better on, things we can work on. And then coming up with you know ways to practice that in, in practice or before ice or you know after a practice to try to work on some things, whether it's just skill wise or, or whatever. Uh, I think that's a obviously as an assistant coach, it's a big thing to to be able to take guys aside and and have a drill here, or drill drill or two to to do to you know work on a shooting or quick release or you know edge work or something like that. Just and that's. And that's another thing that, you know, I've never really had to say, tell people what to do or uh, instruct people on things. So it's it's a different it's a different feeling to, especially, like I said, with my friends, that a lot of them, like, to tell them what to do or to change something, tell them they're doing it wrong. Or it's, a, it's a strange feeling. It's something i got to get used to and, and work on. So I think that's another big thing as a coach that, I, that I'll have to work on coming forward here. But... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great transition so far, and I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing it. Well, Travis, we really appreciate you uh, giving us some time, and we wish you guys the best of luck getting through everything here over the next couple weeks and months. And uh, we wish you guys the best of luck, whether the season resumes and, and you guys make a run for it. Uh, we wish you we wish you luck there. Or if it's if it's next season and you're, you're starting from, from new, that'll be nice for you too. You get a little more time to prep, and uh, we hope to see you guys have some great success there. All right. Thanks a lot. Stay safe down there. Thanks again to Travis for a great conversation this week on the Pucktown Podcast. want to thank everyone once again for tuning in and joining us as we continue to record more and more episodes during this COVID-19 pandemic. We'll have more and more discussions uh, as we continue. 
wanted to send a couple recommendations your way. Uh, if you're a podcast listener and you're looking for some other things, obviously we're only once a week here, but there's some other daily podcasts you can listen to. Uh, I would recommend mostly just sports things. I don't really have anything outside of the world of sports, but uh, if you're you know wondering what else might be good and you're interested in, in listening to some other things, a couple recommendations for you. want to start with a podcast called The Full 60. It's with Craig Custance of The Athletic. Craig used to be with ESPN. He's got his full archives on The Athletic's website. So if you listen uh, through The Athletic, if you have a subscription, then you can listen there and hear his full archive. He also is in the process of, of getting through those archives on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, you can listen to the fu- the full sixty podcast. He does an excellent job, uh, and it is you do not need a subscription to the Athletic to listen to those. Those are just great episodes. Uh, just finished one with the voice of the Nashville Predators, uh, which was excellent. Uh, you know, you look at Pete Weber. He's been doing such an amazing job with the Predators. He's been with their team since the start of the Nashville Predators and just got a chance to listen to him, which was excellent. Uh, Also, Capitals general manager, if you're into the Caps and you're you're enjoying hearing more about Washington and things with the Stingrays affiliation, uh, Capitals general manager Brian McClellan was on the podcast a few weeks back on March 5th. It was a really, really great insight into what the Capitals do to hear from their GM in depth like that. Highly recommend that. And along the same lines, Capitals owner Ted Leonsis was also on that podcast in December. Uh, there's great episodes with Katie Strang, Eddie Olchek, Dallas Akins, the head coach uh, right now currently of the Anaheim Ducks, was previously with the Edmonton Oilers, so there's head coaches. Mike Arruzzioni was on there to talk about the Miracle on Ice team a few weeks back as well when they honored that team for the anniversary they had. So just a a great recommendation there for the Full 60 with Craig Custance. Also, really would would definitely recommend the ESPN on Ice podcast with Greg Wyshynski. Greg does a great job with all of his stuff. That's kind of inside the hockey world. Outside the hockey world, I also really recommend The Lead by The Athletic. Great stuff all throughout sports. The Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with Jimmy Traina is excellent, as well as the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. If you're into anything sports media, you want to hear from other voices, other play-by-play men, or people who are on television, on radio, journalists who cover different sports events, all of those are great. They have some great guests throughout their podcast. You can look back in the archives. And if you're into hockey stories, of course, a lot of fans know the Spit and Chicklets podcast with Barstool Sports. Those guys are a little rough around the edges. There's definitely some uh, explicit content being discussed, but the guests they get are just out of this world. I uh, listened with, with John Carlson, another Capitals player that was on recently with them. Obviously, they've had Sidney Crosby, general managers. Cam Neely was on last week. One of the most recent episodes, actually, that they had was with Brendan Walsh. It was the second time that Brendan was on the podcast, and actually he discussed uh, fighting Josh Gratton, former Stingray. So uh, there is some still some Stingrays ties sometimes with the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and obviously you got to give them a shout-out for all the work they have done over the past couple weeks raising money for the ECHL Player Relief Fund. Uh, we really appreciate everything that they have done for the ECHL and the players. I know are really, uh, really appreciative of all the money that they've raised. 
That's it for this edition of the Pucktown Podcast. want to wish everyone a happy holiday if you're celebrating Easter this weekend or if you're celebrating Passover, which is starting this week as well. We wish everyone a happy, happy holiday celebrating virtually. We want everyone to continue to stay at home. Uh, try to stay away from from going outside and and keep to yourself as much as you can during this tough time. And want to send a, a thank you to everyone who's had to go out and and do some extra extra things during this time to make sure everyone stays safe. We will talk to you all next week with another edition of the Pucktown Podcast. Have a great one, everybody.